Welcome, welcome, welcome to Purifying Truths with A-Star. Today, we have the pleasure of having Mr. Afiel Levi Israel with us. He is a documentary filmmaker and founder of The Forefront Radio. For those of you that are not familiar with Mr. Afiel, he has over six albums that play globally for free. Definitely, you should check him out. He's on SoundCloud. Um, He started his radio show in 2020, and it is phenomenal. He covers all types of topics. It's not just music. He talks about Black history, Bible news, and then he even features others on his radio station. Everywhere, every topic is covered from... um, historians, doctors, teachers, authors, all in his community. As he illuminates the world, he puts others front in the forefront radio. Welcome, Afiel. Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, grandiose (laughs) intro. Very wonderful. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you on Purifying Truths. Certainly, we are in for a treat today. So we'll just go ahead and jump right in. You know, tell us a little bit more about this Forefront Radio. Okay, so the Forefront Radio is a podcast I started in uh, 2020. Uh, Prior to that, I had a a SoundCloud page and a YouTube page where I uh, talked about different topics, but I realized that the information that I was putting in music needed to be translated into a format that could be be easily understood. So the Forefront Radio is a podcast where I discuss the truth about slavery, uh, colonialism, and the identity of the lost tribes of Israel. I started my research in 2014 and initially made music on the subject. And once I realized that there wasn't that many people speaking on the subject matter, I decided to become a resource for the diaspora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. You are so right. There's not many people out there doing what you do. What inspired you or motivated you to even get started? Do you have a background in music or history? So I was fascinated with black history and I did have a background in music um, as far as my musical background. I've uh, used to be a choral director. I taught in the praise team of a church, but I was always fascinated with black history. And I always wondered, you know, why is it that we're so limited to just knowing uh, about 1619 and forward? We know about Rosa Parks. We know about, you know, MLK and all these other people. But there's no history prior to slavery. And then when you ask around, you get vague answers provided by most history books. It wasn't until I reexamined the history book known as the Bible that I realized that it was much more than just a religious book. Um, For example, when you read Job chapter 8, verse 8, it says, For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. So what that means is we as a nation of people have to find out who we were prior to slavery. Who were you prior to slavery? No one wants to talk about it. The church doesn't talk about it. I asked my uncle who was a pastor, and he had no answers. I asked my uh, grandfather, who's 100 years old. I said, grandfather, who were we prior to slavery? Before coming to the island of Haiti, who were we? He said, I don't know. And I was like, oh, my God, no one knows. Not the pastor. And then we went to school all our lives, and we never got this information. So I'm so fascinated with black history. I said, you know what? It's too alarming that there's a limited amount of information pertaining to our history. So I decided to dig it up for myself. And I found other people that was researching about the history book known as the Bible. And I found out that is where we come from. That is actually our history book. Wow, that is amazing. I love the way you put a spin on it because definitely that is the elephant in the room. You know, um, when we go to look at our history, you're right. We don't know it. 
it's very important that we learn our history so that we know where we're going and we don't repeat it. We hear that often, but we don't have anyone showing, sharing, teaching our history. Tell me, please, why do you feel that the identity, history, and culture of Black African Americans are so important? So before I answer that question, I want to give a vital verse that's in the Bible that can kind of answer this. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, uh, verse 3, it says, The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. So an ox is a farm animal, right? Mm -hmm. This farm animal knows his owner. He knows his origin. And then it says, an ass, which is a donkey, a jackass, knows his master's crib. What is the master's crib? The home, your homeland. So then it says, but Israel, the blacks, Latinos, Native Americans, don't know. If you ask five different so-called black people, who were you prior to slavery? You're going to get, I don't know. You're going to get Africa. You're going to get African-American. You're going to get black. You're going to get so many different answers because we don't know. We really don't know. And then it says, my people does not consider. So not only do we not know who are who we are, we don't even consider it. Years and years we've been in the diaspora in the United States of America, and we haven't stopped to ask the question, hold up, who were we before we got here? Obviously, everyone has an origin. We know about the Greeks, we know about the Romans, but we don't know about our history. So to answer that question, when you look at identity, identity is synonymous with heritage, Heritage, heritage is synonymous with uh, inheritance or a birthright or uh, patrimony. Patrimony is an inherited property that we obtain from our father or a male ancestor. So when you look at us as so-called black people in America, our forefathers are not, are not Abraham Lincoln, George Washington or Andrew Jackson or Donald Trump's ancestry for that matter. Our forefathers are Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, Moses, King David, King Solomon, and Jesus the Christ. For mm. example, when you read in the book of Job, right, Job actually describes his complexion of how he looks in the Bible, the, the book of the Bible is not just a history book, not just a religious book, okay? It's also a history book. Check this out. Job chapter 30, verse 30. It says this, my skin is black upon me and my bones are burnt with heat. So Job, one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, describes himself and says, my skin, my flesh is black upon me. Now, who on earth was called black, <laughs> so-called African-Americans, so-called Negroes? And Job in the Bible describes himself and says that his skin is black. But wait, there's more. King Solomon, one of the wisest people, one of the wisest black kings to live on the earth, the ancestor, the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ, says the same exact thing in Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse five. Check this out. He says, I am black, but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. This is how you know this is Solomon talking. It says, look not upon me because I am black. Let me read it again. Look not upon me because I am black. And at the beginning of the verse, in verse five, it says, I am black, but comely. This is where we get the common phrase that we use here today. I am black, but beautiful. I'm black but handsome. This is a common phrase that we use, but we don't realize that it comes directly from King Solomon. So identity is important. Once you're able to read in the Bible that Moses was black, that Jesus was black, that King Solomon was black, that Job was black, a black person, you can readily identify 
what uh, that this book is talking about us. The so-called lost tribes of Israel are not lost. They were taken into captivity. They were taken into slavery. So the next portion, you said identity. Now let's look at history. History is important because if you don't know where you're coming from, you're not going to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. There is no future without a past. I'm going to say that again. There is absolutely no future without a past. So when you read Deuteronomy 28, you find out that Deuteronomy 28 identifies who are the lost tribes of Israel. There are blessings written in it and curses written in it that only pertain to us. And we'll go into that in, in later on in the segment. Now, as far as culture, okay, so we first we identified identity. Next, we looked at history. Now we're going to look at culture. Mm-hmm. When we look at culture, culture teaches us, right, and especially our youth, what we should eat, what we should wear, what holy days or holidays that we celebrated. For mm-hmm. example, when you read Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, God gives us a list in the Bible of foods that are good to eat and foods that are not good to eat. Why? Because the creator of the universe understands his creation. He knows that there are certain foods that are meant to be bottom feeders just to cleanse the earth, such as pork, shrimp, crab, lobster, right? They call these foods bottom feeders, right? Or scavenger meat, right? Right, right. And and then when you look at clothing, right, uh, it talks about how we wore modest apparel, how our women wore dresses, how our men wore tunics and pants and uh, various priestly robes, and um, our holy days included Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, Purim. So when we look at culture, every culture has a system of law and civil conduct. Look at the Library of Congress. The United States has a library where it documents the history of its people and other cultures. But where's black people's history? Our history is fine directly in the Bible. As a matter of fact, many scientific discoveries that talk about black people come directly from the Bible. When you look at the hieroglyphs in Egypt, for example, on the walls of Egypt, you can see black people as slaves, And it matches up directly with the story of slaves leaving in the book that we call the Exodus. Mm -hmm. So this is why identity, history and culture is very important. Understood. Wow, that is profound. Certainly no future if you don't have a path. That is definitely profound. I do appreciate you um, going into depth on that and breaking it down, making it simple so we all understand it is vitally necessary to have identity, history, and culture as a part of your life. Now, you speak on something called the six degrees of separation. What is that? Okay. So in formal terms, the uh, term six degrees of separation is the idea that on average, about six or or fewer social connections are attained from each other. For example, if you take a slave that was sold in Haiti, they could have relatives that were brought to Louisiana during the slave trade. That person in turn could have someone that was sold in Virginia. That person in told could have children that were taken from Ghana, Ethiopia, China, and different places all throughout the slave trade. But, but basically in essence, we as a nation of people have a common ancestry. We may think that we're divided by uh, Cuban, Dominican, Haitian, Puerto Rican, Black, African-American, Jamaican, West Indian, uh, South American, Brazilian. You know, all these words are just titles. We've been separated under different degrees. But our Mm -hmm. common ancestry is slavery, colonialism. We were free, royal people. Okay, we had a history. We had kingdoms. 
We have a biblical-based bloodline that was changed into various national titles. Let's use African-American, for example, right? African-American was the term. African-American comes from two root words. Africa, which is a continent on the eastern side, and America, which is also a continent on the western side. When you examine just that term alone, which part of Africa and which part of America are we from? Are we from South Africa and Northeast America? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. are, we, are, we, are we from South America? Because remember, America just doesn't comprise of just North America. We got North, Central, and South. And are we from Ethiopia? Who knows? We don't know. But when you examine the Bible, the common thread is that we were taken into slavery. We were put on slave ships. Our identities was changed. And now we are, quote unquote, lost. In other words, the lost tribes of Israel. Wow. <sighs> that is food for thought, if nothing more. Definitely the way that you're explaining it is not something that I know I or the common man thinks of it as. Tell us more. You say that without slave trade, nothing in the world system as we know it would exist. Elaborate, please. Sure. So let's look at slavery, right? As far as the, tra usually when we talk about slavery, we're only limited to just looking at the transatlantic slave trade. Slavery as a system was a global epidemic, okay? It was a global epidemic where the other nations decided to engage in transport of goods and services and utilizing slave labor for it. For example, slavery created global capitalism. We would not have stocks without the slave trade. We would not have agriculture without the slave trade. The cotton, the beans, the rice, the sugar plantations, the, the uh, uh, coffee beans, the uh, coconut, all types of agriculture initially was traded via the, the forced labor of slaves. When you look at clothing, that's the cotton, that's the polyester, that's the textiles, that's the warehouse, okay? When we mm -hmm. look at for us, by us, FUBU, it's literally by us, by the manual labor that was taken by us. You have a Tommy Hilfiger, you have uh, Gucci, you have, uh, uh, what's another clothing company you could think of? Uh, Sean John, you know, mm -hmm. whatever clothing company that you could think of on a global level was initiated through the act of slavery. When you look at gold, when you look at diamonds, when you look at rubies, when you look at art, when you look at many of the inventions, when you look at silk, when you look at oil, when you look at the rubber that you put on the tires of your car, all of these were attributed from slavery, colonialism, and imperialism. There could be no world economics without the mechanism of slave labor. So true. Wow. I tell you, you're shining a light on this topic today. It's definitely a taboo topic that many of us mm -hmm. don't talk about because most of us don't know about it. Now, mm -hmm. most African-American history, like I said, is very limited before the slave trade and coming to America. So mm -hmm. please share how, and you did this already briefly, but how all descendants of the slave trade are from the same tribe. You know, we're caught up now in ancestry and DNA. Help us understand how we're all connected. Okay, definitely. And I love this question because now I can answer it directly with the history book known as the Bible. When we look at the Bible, we call it history. The Bible calls it prophecy, meaning what? There was a prediction made on Mount Sinai with Moses and our ancient forefathers. This prediction was written down and documented in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15 through 68, where you have the blessings and the curses that would happen to the children of Israel. The blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans 
are the 12 tribes of Israel based on the Bible. And if you would, um, I'll read just a few scriptures just to prove that point. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, it states this, but it shall come to pass, meaning it will happen in the future. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So when we talk about generational curses, we don't ask ourselves, where is it documented that we will find what the general generational curses are. We find this directly in Deuteronomy 28. Here's an example. Verse 16 says this, Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Now, when we examine black history, just let's just use America, for example. Who is cursed in the city? Who lives in the ghettos, the slums, the barrios, the lowest levels, the poorest places in the United States? Mostly blacks, Latinos, and Native Americans. We call them reservations. Then it says, curse shall thou be in the field. Who was working on the cotton field, the sugarcane field, the coffee field, the tobacco field? This book that we're reading is prophecy. We call it history. The Bible calls it prophecy. Let's look Mm. at another example. Verse 37, it says, And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whether the Lord thy God shall lead thee. So no matter what nation we go to, we would not be called Judah, Benjamin, Levi, which is the African-Americans, the so-called West Indians, the Jamaicans, and the so-called Haitians, we would be called different titles. For example, black. That's the color in the crayon box. That's a proverb and a byword, which is a wise saying that is not your original identity. So God said that we would be called an astonishment, words that are mocking us, a proverb and a byword among all nations. Meaning what? If you go to China, they're going to call you black or Negro or colored or the derogatory term nigger, which is the same thing as Negro in Spanish. They're going to call you these titles and not Judah, Benjamin, Levi or the lost tribes of Israel, which is who we are. Uh, Biblically, spiritually, physically, our bloodline is connected to this book. Then another example, right? When you look at the term African-American, Africa was called by Leo Scipio Africanus. You can Google this. This is a a Europe, a, a Roman general that conquered Hannibal during the Second Punic War. He named the entire continent after him. Now, obviously, you can look at our complexion and tell that we don't come from uh, a Caucasian Roman, so we can't call ourselves quote-unquote African. Then when we look at the term America or American, the term American comes from an Italian navigator by the name of Amerigo Vespucci. This is clearly found in, you could do a Google search. How, click, 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 click. How was America discovered? Who founded America? Ding, Amerigo Vespucci, the Italian navigator that came in the, this, this time frame and named the whole entire continent from North, Central, and South America to America. You sure? And, you sure it won't Columbus? Uh, it wasn't Columbus. What was called <laughs> Columbus? You have Columbia. You have the District of Columbia, and you have various universities called by Columbus. But when we look at at, at the reality of history, this is what they do. They conquer a land and then just name it after their own name, as if they, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, discovered it. But that's another topic of conversation. So here's another example. When you look at verse uh, 41 of Deuteronomy 28, it says this, Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. So 
hmm, the Bible says that we're going to have sons and daughters. We're going to raise up sons and daughters, but we're not going to enjoy them because they're going to go into captivity. When I look up the word captivity, it's the same word as slavery. So our sons and daughters were going to go into slavery. Who did that happen to? Did that happen to the Chinese? Did that happen to the Arab? Did that happen to the Europeans that called themselves Jews? Were they taken on slave ships and had chains around their neck and put on slave ships and brought to a new land and had their identities changed? No. The only race of people are the blacks. Native Americans, the Latinos, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, the Trinidad and Tobago, uh, uh, you know, the different people that were brought to Brazil, to uh, Chile, to uh, Peru, you know, anyone that's a descendant of the slave trade and affected by colonialism, more than likely you fit with the curses that are written in this book. OK, mm-hmm. here's the heavy hitter now. How, what was the mode of transportation that we uh, traveled on to get to America? What mode of transportation did they use? Ship. A ship. Now, did you know that it verbatim says this in the Bible? Let's see. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 68. And it reads, And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, with ships, with ships. So now we have to ask ourselves, where was our forefathers when we were in Egypt? They were slaves. And this can be proven in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, when it says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So Egypt is the house of bondage, a.k.a. the house of slavery. So when God said to our forefathers, if you listen to my rules and regulations, you will be the top ruling nation on the earth. You will be the head and not the tail. You will rule over every empire under King David, under King Solomon. But if you decide as a race of people not to follow what I say, you will fall under generational curses. Your sons mm. and daughters will be given unto another people. You will, your eyes will look will, and fail with longing after them all the day long. And I will send you into slavery or Egypt again with ships. So now, if you do a Google search and you just say, who was taken into slavery with, slips, with, with ships? Sorry, The very first picture that'll pop up is the image of so-called blacks. But wait, there's more. By the way whereof I spake unto thee, we're reading Deuteronomy 28, verse 68. I am reading verbatim out of the Bible. It says, and the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spake unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again. And there, meaning once you got off those slave ships, you shall be sold unto your enemies, not your friend, for bondmen and bondwomen, meaning slave men and slave women. So now I'll ask the question again. Was the Chinese people put on slave ships, taken to a distant land, sold on auction blocks, and made to be slave men and slave women? No. Was the Arab men taken on slave ships, brought to a new land, had his identity changed, given English, Spanish, and French to speak, which wasn't their original tongue, had their their backs whipped and said, you're no longer Muhammad, you are Toby. Did that happen to them? No. When we look at uh, the so-called Jewish people, were they taken on slave ships? Were they brought to America, the Caribbean islands, Central, South America, and made slave men and slave women? Did they have yokes of iron and chains around their neck? Were they forced to lose their identity? No. So this book can only, only, when I'm reading this, I am literally reading your photo album. I am literally reading your history. The Bible calls it prophecy. We call it history. 
to answer your question. <laughs> what a profound explanation. I definitely um, have been enlightened on some things and I'm going to do some research on some things as I'm sure that much of the audience will do as well. So you're quoting and reading from the Bible. Tell me, what version are you using? Directly reading the 1611 King James Version Bible. Understood. You can, uh, easily acquire one from Amazon.com um, where they have the 1611 Cambridge University Version. Understood. Understood. I think that's very important so that when we go back that we'll be able to see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, so just for a reference, uh, you have Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, verse mm-hmm. 37, verse 41, verse 45, verse 48, and verse 68. Mm-hmm. So looking at history from a biblical sense, you've already given your interpretation of how the covenant was spoken about in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you have to say to those that are... Um, maybe not seeing your point of view that can't quite grasp it because, you know, the Bible is just another book. You know, the Quran is also another book. The, you know, um, whatever, fill in the blank, is just another book, according to so many. So explain to me how you come to um, interpret it in such a way. Okay, so what makes the Bible different from any other book on the planet is that this is the direct history related to so-called black people. There is no other book that gave a prediction thousands of years before it happened, and then we can read the chronological records and find history books, magazines, uh, documentaries, movies, like the movie Roots, like the movie 12 Years a Slave, that clearly depicts the same things that we're reading about in the Bible. So now when the Bible talks about covenant, the covenant was given to our ancestors. For example, in the New Testament, it it reads in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8, for finding fault with them, meaning God found found fault with our ancestors because mm-hmm. our ancestors, the Israelites, didn't want to follow his, his first covenant. Okay. He says, finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah. So now notice this. The covenant that's written here. He didn't say the covenant of Baptists. He didn't say the covenant of Methodists. He didn't say the covenant of Islam. He didn't say the covenant of Catholicism. He said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Israel was the first 10 tribes that was taken into the Assyrian captivity and spread all across the earth in subsequent captivities. Judah was taken in the Babylonian captivity and subsequent captivities after that. We were enslaved in Babylon, the Medes and the Purge, the Greeks and the Romans during the time of Christ. Okay, the Romans took our documents and forced us to flee from northeast Africa into West Africa. Centuries later, the descendants of the Romans, the so-called Europeans, took us on slave ships and had our historical records and made sure that we could not read nor write. Now, that's of vital importance, because if you're not able to read, if you want to hide something from a Negro, put it in a book. And when Mm. you read the Bible, the majority, I've encountered so many black people. And whenever I talk to them, they say, oh, that's your interpretation. I'm just reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. I say, have you read through the Bible? They say, no. Well, what portions of the Bible have you gone over? Oh, well, the book of Psalms and a couple of gospels here and there. Okay, that's fine. But there's an entire book that has so much information in it. And if you look closely, the covenant was given to us. The covenant was given, the promises of the Bible was given to us. Everlasting life, a new kingdom, salvation. Now think about this. When we talk about salvation, what are we saved from? 
For example, right? Jesus Christ, his sole purpose, his entire purpose was to save us, right? But when you say save, you have to ask yourself, save from what? I'm going to read a verse out of the Bible that it clearly explains this, all right? It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, the Blacks, Latinos, and Native Americans, for he has visited and redeemed his people. When he says his people, that's like saying his shoes, his 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 bag, his book bag, his wallet. That's his property. We are literally God's property. Okay, mm-hmm. I know Kirk Franklin made a song about it, <laughs> but he didn't know how literal he was. We are his people. And then it says, have raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, referring to Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ came from the bloodline of King David. He is the horn of salvation. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. We read in Deuteronomy that was written by Moses. So slavery was written a long time ago, but we know it now based on prophecy and history. And then it says in verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Even Jesus Christ himself said, you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Why is it that the black man is so hated in America? Why do we have George Floyd? Why do we have uh, Breonna Taylor? Why do we have Sandra Bland? Because you are God's chosen people and the other nations know it. The other nations know it so much that in order for them to show their enmity towards God, they will force themselves to, to punish God's people. And that's what's been happening since day one. But Christ, his purpose, his salvation is for us. I'll give another example. When you look at a, uh, a firefighter, for example, mm-hmm. the purpose of a firefighter is to do what? Fight fires. Mm-hmm. The firefighter saves you from that immediate danger of getting burned. When you look at us as a nation of people, we've been getting burnt. We've been getting the short end of the sticks since we got here. Even uh, MLK, during uh, the end of his life, before he got assassinated, he said, and this is a direct quote that you can Google. He said, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I think that I integrated my people into a burning building. So the purpose of Christ, just like the firefighter, is to save us from our enemy and from the hand of those that hate us. That salvation is not just salvation from sin, but salvation from immediate danger, salvation from slavery, salvation from oppression, salvation from captivity. That is the purpose of Christ. I hope that answered the question. Absolutely. You know, it's very interesting the way that you connect prophecy and history. Um, Never quite saw the two intertwine. But as you're doing so, I begin to think about how when we as a race of people, of black and brown people, embrace our culture, um, Mm -hmm. we're labeled as racist, troublemakers. Um, Explain a little bit of why you feel that that's so. So as I stated earlier, we are God's chosen people. And since the other nations can't get to God, they will get to us. Um, This is why there's a vast importance for us to unify as a nation of people. We should no longer call ourselves black. That's a color in a crayon box. We should no longer call ourselves African-American. That term was coined in uh, 1988, and a few of us were born prior to 1988. Um, You know, we should no longer call ourselves colored. 
we should see the common ground that we have amongst each other. The common ground was slavery, oppression, colonialism, and the Bible. I always say that the Bible is our photo album, okay? And it's very important for us to unify because even in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the unity of faith. The unity of faith is us knowing who we are, gathering ourselves together with faith in the black Messiah. So that way, when Christ returns, he can come for his people and redeem us from the hand of our oppression. I hear what you're saying. You know, um, as a Christian that was brought up in church and, you know, I read the Bible a little bit. um, Mm -hmm. I hear you. I follow you. As they say, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But I also believe that even though whether that is what it is or isn't as far as history and as far as prophecy and how it connects and us being the chosen people and all. I also believe that God came for Jesus, came for to save all because Second Peter 3 tells us that it's not his will that any man be lost, that it is not a racial divide there. So I just want to make clear when you are talking about salvation, you know, it's not like heaven's going to be a bunch of black and brown only. Mm -hmm. So What's your response to that? Because I hear the history, the culture, and not that I'm disagreeing. I'm searching for understanding, as I think many of us are. Yes, yes, no no problem. And and I appreciate the question because it's a wonderful question. I'll answer that with this Bible verse. It says in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1, gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation, not desired. So the first thing we have to do is gather ourselves together. The second thing is that we realize that we are not separate identities. My my family origins is not just Haitian or Jamaican or Dominican or Panamanian. We are one people united, okay? Now, as far as salvation, every, uh, every kingdom has a system of of uh, royalty in it. We were literally chosen to be a nation of kings and priests. For example, when you read in the Bible and it describes Christ as the king of kings, what we fail to realize, who is the of kings that is talking about? Who is the, I always hear that, king of kings and lord of lords. He shows us in the book of Revelation, and you can't get no more New Testament than the book of Revelation, that if we as a nation of people overcome our sins, he will place us in a position of leadership over the nations. Here's the example. Revelation chapter 2, verse 25. But that which he hath already, hold fast till I come. Verse 26. And he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. So Jesus the Christ says, I have a crown waiting for you. I have a, I have such an amount of royalty and blessings that will be given to you that the blessings will pour so much so that you'll do you can't do anything but cry and, and be rejoicing because when you read the Bible it talks about those that went through tribulation. What was more traumatic than slavery? What was more traumatic than lynching? What was more traumatic than that? But out of that, Christ will redeem us and save us so much so that our ancestors used to sing songs such as swing low sweet chariot coming for to carry me home we were singing about deliverance from the heavens 
we were singing it before we even was taught how to read and write the Bible, which tells me we had biblical roots and we didn't even know it. All those Negro spirituals that our ancestors used to sing to overcome the oppression that they faced was a direct song teaching our children, our descendants, that we have a connection to this Bible. So now the other nations, are they going to get into heaven? Yes, of course. Christ is going to allow everyone that is willing to accept his laws, statutes, and commandments and be obedient to him to receive the kingdom of heaven. We will be in a position of authority and other nations will not want to see that Christ is a black man. So that's where you read in the Bible where they will beat their swords, their weapons, into plowshares, which is another topic of conversation. So before I get too deep to just basically succinctly answer your question, we should unite. We should know who we are, and it is only found in the Bible. And there's so many blessings, so many promises, so much of an inheritance of being known that you are chosen and blessed. If I gave you a million dollars, if I gave you a billion dollars, and I said, this is for you and create a trust fund and this will be passed down to your descendants for the next thousand years. Would you turn around and say, oh, you know, by the way, what about the Chinese? Oh, by the way, what about the uh, Arabs? What about? No, you'll say, no, this is for my kids. This is for my descendants. This is my inheritance. So I say that to say the promises of the Bible are our inheritance. The kingdom of heaven is our inheritance. The blessings of living where we don't have tears anymore, where we no longer die, where there's no longer oppression, where there's no longer sorrow, those blessings will come to us through Christ the Black Messiah. And I hope that answered your question succinctly. Absolutely. Well, Levi, I thank you so much for enlightening us on a different perspective of the Bible, history, and how it has been taught. Tell us, please, what's next for you? So I have currently on my uh, podcast, The uh, Forefront Radio, um, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other sources, uh, a series called The Truth About Slavery, where I go in depth into uh, talking about the uh, fear of uh black men, the fear of black boys, and the fear of a black messiah. And this series is phenomenal. If you want to learn about things more in depth, I would recommend for any listener to uh, tune into that. I'm still working on the series, and eventually I want to make like an anthology or a book just kind of documenting all these different interrelated things through history and kind of match it with the Bible. So I have a book currently called Prosperity and Righteousness that I'm working on. Um, Part of it is available on Amazon, but once I finish the uh, complete version, I'll resubmit it to Amazon and have it for those that want to read and follow more information. The book Prosperity and Righteousness gives the correlation between living a righteous life, keeping God's law, and being obedient to his word and the direct blessings for obedience. When we talk about the land of milk and honey and all the blessings that are given by our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there were stipulations. The stipulations were that we were to be obedient, okay? So in that book, I kind of document and talk about that and go into further details. Wow. Understood. Understood. What a phenomenal topic. We'd like to thank you so much for joining Purifying Truths. And I think if I've gotten nothing else out of this, I heard you loud and clear when you say that we should unite. And certainly I can agree with that. We should unite. Now, how can the audience connect with you? All praises to the Most High. I thank you for saying that. Um, it is very important for us to unite. And the fact that your title is, is Purifying Truths is so on par with this. Because even Jesus himself said in John eight thirty two that you will know the truth and the truth would set you free. 
So mm-hmm. if anyone get, wants to get in touch with me, uh, feel free to um, go on uh, uh, Facebook and look up the Forefront Media. That's my media page where I place any um, uh, messages or podcasts or events. Um, I created a clubhouse um, with a uh, health psychologist where we talk about different subjects and help people overcome trauma and uh, life's trials. And Amelia, you're more than welcome to join up with us at any time during that clubhouse and kind of talk about different subjects to help people in the diaspora that need that, you know, essential help. Um, my email is uh, the forefront black media at gmail.com. That's the T H E F O R front black media at gmail.com. If anyone wants to email me. So, uh, I have my Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple, uh, podcast where you just do a search for the forefront radio and you'll be able to uh, listen to the show. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You know, I just want to put a little tab in. I have been in your clubhouse conversations in the past. And just for the listening audience, this is not a group of angry black people. It is not a group of arrogant black people, but it is a group of all people uniting. All praises. Once again, Levi, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining Purifying Truths. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Indeed. Thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A Star. Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life. Connect with A-Star on Facebook and Instagram at Facets of A-Star. Webpage www.facetsofastar. Shine bright.